Welcome to Feeling Asian, a podcast where two Asians talk about their feelings. I'm Youngmi Mayer. And I'm Brian Park. And we have a... <laughs> if you're watching on YouTube, you can probably see our guest, uh, who is not Asian, but... And <laughs> I guess that's going to be a surprise reveal for the listeners later. But before we reveal our first ever non-Asian guest, we're going to do our Patreon shout outs. Listeners, if you like the podcast, please consider supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com slash feeling Asian. You know the drill. Check it out. See the exclusive benefits that Young Me and I offer. But any donation amount gets you a shout out on the podcast where we guess who you are based on your name alone. And without further ado, <laughs> young me, are you ready for our first shout out? I'm very ready. Our first shout out for this episode goes out to one name, Haley. Haley. Is Haley, it Haley Bieber? Haley with two Y's. So H-A-Y-L-E-Y. Oh, H-A-Y-L-E-L-E. Oh, I thought you meant like at the end there were two Y's like yee. and I was like wow this person's name is like the thirsty message on Tinder where you're like hey <laughs> you know that's like what I'm like trying to I'm just trying to fuck like my message on Tinder is always like hey and there's like three or four Y's and you, you know I'm I'm ready yeah oh my god I real I learned recently that I text differently from the way I speak, but I'm very proper in writing, like whether it's email yeah. or in text. So I never extend consonants like you do, young me. And yeah. I've gotten that feedback <laughs> a lot from people that I'm dating. They're like, do you even like me? Like you're really cold and aloof. And I'm just like, I'm sorry. That's just how I text. And I think it's because I'm not doing that. Hey, bye. So fun. <laughs> You got to add the eyes. You got to add multiple eyes at the end. You got to add the extra consonants. <laughs> the, the vowels. Well, okay. Did you see that meme where it was like one just means like I'm your friend. Three means I want to have sex. Eight means like I'm mentally ill or something. I'm like, I'm at the mentally ill. Okay. So Haley. Hi. Haley with two Y's, but not at the end. <clears throat> Haley is really athletic. I feel. Yes. That's a, that's yes. a, that's a Definitely. sporty girl name. Like yep. soccer captain. Gets way Feel too talky. into it. I'm getting young vibes. Like this person's in high school. Right. So she is right? the captain of the field hockey team. Cries when they lose. And yes. everyone gets very scared. Definitely. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> you, you, or, you know, like at, at the bottom hour or whatever, she, she has like that inspirational little monologue. Like, the you got to do this, man. Next year, we're all going to college. We'll never see Young each other again. We got to do it for the Gators. Like that. Uh, Young me, I'm not too familiar with field hockey. Can you please elaborate on what is the bottom hour? <laughs> I don't know. I meant like the last 10 minutes. I don't know. Like you got five minutes on the clock. You're down one, whatever, goal point. I don't know. The bottom hour occurs in between the hours of 11 p.m. and three in the morning on a yes, Friday night. Yes, the bottom hour. Oh, we wow. all know, our guest knows all about the bottom hour. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, right. Haley, thank you for supporting us on the pod. Uh, our next shout out goes out to Sa Samu E. S A M U. S A M W O O E. Oh, S Samu. Hey. This person is I feel like Korean person, as hell. I feel like this person is like uh, I'm getting a very strong age. I feel like this person is older, like thirty six. 40s, yeah, which is my age. By older, <laughs> by older, I mean Ouch. me. My, I'm old. I'm getting that age, but I, I'm seeing like a very full head of hair. Right, I'm getting strong, full head of hair vibes. Are you thinking like long and scraggly hair, like an no, artist? No, like your. It looks like Brian's hair. I feel like. Oh, okay. So someone who is in arrested development and <laughs> can't act their own age. Uh, I said okay, your so hair, not your personality. <laughs> I think the hair is an extension of personality. I think that's why white, because white people, they bald very quickly and they very easily become, uh, look like they're 40, 
You know, those like 25 year old yeah. white guys who's just tuck in their shirt all the time and no one God's asked favorite. you to do this, but they do yeah. it anyways. <laughs> Who one asked you to do this? <laughs> no one asked you to tuck in your t-shirt into your chino pants with Sperry's, but you do it. It's a choice. That is always so shocking to me when somebody dresses like that and they're young. I used to dress yeah. like that. <laughs> I love all the, all the commentary. <laughs> Um, okay. So who, yes, I think that this person is maybe 38. They have a full head of hair. They are, uh, successful. They, I feel yeah. like very lawful put together vibes. I was going to say lawyer, lawyer yeah, with one something kid. like that. Yeah. Samu, thank you for your philanthropic contribution. Our last shout out for this episode goes out to Aurora Helen Drucker Michaels. Okay, I know somebody named Aurora and maybe she got married, but I don't think this is her because I don't think she would use a married name. Aurora Helen Drucker Michaels. Now, Aurora, I know (laughs) that you are not this person, but if someone told me that the name of the white woman who is trying to elevate the kanji experience was named Aurora Helen Drucker Michaels... I would say, oh shit, that that makes sense. <laughs> Elevate the kanji experience. No, her name was actually Karen. Literally Karen. Literally oh, Karen. Literally Karen. <laughs> oh no, wow. No, I feel like Aurora. I feel like it's like you remember you were talking about this last episode when you have like a cool name, you just become oh, like yeah. a cool artsy person. I feel like Aurora is such an artsy cool name that this yeah. person lives up to it. She, you know what I mean? I'm going to guess she is an art therapist. I feel like that's on the money and the last yeah. name. I feel like whenever you see like a therapist, their name, their last name is like so interesting and unique too. Yeah. I'm getting big time art therapist vibes. Aurora's out here doing the work, not elevating the kanji experience because no. she is being respectful. <laughs> or do you think she's like the, like in Parasite, like that con artist woman? Remember she pretended she was an art therapist oh, in the movie yeah. Parasite? <laughs> And she just kind of like BS'd her way into this rich person's life. She was like, hey, he's angry. We love <laughs> mom was like, yeah. you know, on Feeling Asian, we love a good scam artist. So go out to Dubai, teach those kids yes. how to paint beautiful paintings while expressing themselves and get that bag. Aurora, keep doing you. Thank you for supporting the pod. And for everyone else out there, if you would like to do so, go to our Patreon at patreon.com slash feeling Asian. Now... I think it's time for our wonderful introduction because this is a very special, momentous occasion in our podcast yeah. history, young me. Yes. I, do you <laughs> want me to introduce our guest? Because this person is a very close and dear friend of mine. I think it would, be, my- it would be disrespectful if, I, if you did not introduce our wonderful guest. It's on you this time. Okay, so I'm going to introduce our amazing guest. This is a very dear friend of mine, the first ever non-Asian guest on Feeling Asian, at my insistence. Um, (laughs) Also, head of the Restaurant Workers... Community Foundation. Restaurant Workers Community Foundation. Co-founder and board president. We have an executive director, so... Also, an amazing and very well-known mixologist. Sure. Cocktail mixologist and author of the... The amazing cocktail book, Drink What You Want. John DeBerry. Hi. Thanks for having me on. I'm so excited that you're here. Um, John, have you hung out with Brian before? No, never. Really? We've never hung out. However, I was like trying to think. Yeah. I feel like I've gotten a sample of the experience because Youngmi gifted me Proto, which is amazing. yeah, Yeah, which is your non alcoholic. Uh, why it's not a wine substitute, but it is a non-alcoholic drink. And as someone who doesn't drink, I really enjoyed it and appreciated it. I was hoping it would make it way to you. It's way to you because that's like our first friend day when we had lunch at Kiki's. I gave you bottles. Oh yeah. 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 And Brian doesn't drink. Exactly. I forgot the other thing. You do so much, John, that I forgot. Also <laughs> the owner of the company Proto, which is a non-alcoholic <laughs> beverage substance. It's like an adult, like adult botanical well, botanical drink, drink. Like, the first time john gave it to me i put gin in it and i was like this is great i love this <laughs> <laughs> it's good with gin yeah um <clears throat> anyway we're so excited that you're here i'm sad i'm like sad that you and brian haven't hung out i feel like we would all get along but i'm sure it's gonna happen in due time um, but bef- 
but this is but this is a historic moment because John, you are moment. our first non-Asian guest on Feeling Asian podcast. Wow. Yeah. How does it feel? It's like kind of a weird, it's kind of like a dream come true because I like started listening to the podcast before we were friends, but I was like friends really? talking you and I'm yeah. like, oh, I'll get like good material. So when we hang out, you can like talk about stuff. So I like started listening to your podcast, like the early, early episodes, and I was like, oh, they're so cool. Oh, now here we are. Thanks, John. Here we are. He started out as a fan and now he is a guest. <laughs> Listeners, dream big. Yeah. One day. Um, I guess so before we get to you, John, I'm going to ask Brian. Brian, how are you feeling? Uh, okay, so I am currently at my parents' house in Texas. So I flew in late last night. Mixed feelings. I'll start with a positive. So, you know, we recently just announced our Feeling Asian live show and it yeah. sold out like super quickly, which is so fucking awesome and really exciting. Um, yeah. For the, pe- for the people who couldn't get a ticket, that's on us. We, I don't know. This is crazy. We didn't as- anticipate we to did sell not out so quickly. We did not expect to sell out so um, quickly. But there, there will be... Tickets. <laughs> <laughs> But there will be future shows. Uh, we're gonna turn. We're turning this into a monthly. Um, but I don't know. Like driving on the highway back home from the airport, mm. and kind of just. I always get nostalgic when I uh, return to my like childhood roots, and obviously. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I got. I felt really proud in that like moment. I don't know if it was because really late at night and I was just remembering like a lot of the things I used to do here in El Paso and it's really cool what we've done young me like just like growing up in this random city in Texas and then knowing that in like I have this life in New York where we do comedy and then we just sold out our show like that's so much growth and so much like progress that we've made in this game called I'm being like so corny right now but uh no. I don't know I think in the backdrop of where I grew up I'm like damn I kind of I've made it far like I'm really proud that like you know we've established ourselves in New York and yeah. uh it's cool it's it's really exciting and um so I'm really proud that uh and just in that just in general like for all the progress that we've made and for the life that I've sort of um made for myself in New York, like doing comedy. Um, and yeah. And then I'm also a bit sad because, uh, part Mm -hmm. of the reason why I'm here in town is to, uh, visit a relative and Mm -hmm. she is, um, she has Alzheimer's and, Mm -hmm. you know, I've heard, I spoke to her over the phone. I knew like that it had progressed, but seeing it in person, it was, uh, it's difficult. I'm seeing another side of my parents too, like seeing them interact with her and uh, yeah, it's just sad. And it's just a fucking terrible and horrible disease, but I'm trying to stay optimistic because she, you know, she still has some of her mental faculties uh, left yeah. and I just want to maximize the time that we have together in the present, but it's, it's, it's really hard. It's challenging. So that's what that's what's going on with mm. me. Mixed feelings, mm. good and bad. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to hear that, Brian. It's okay. I mean, it's just a fucking debilitating disease. They're physically healthy, but you're it, at times it feels like you're interacting with a third grader and yeah. you just wish you could like reverse it and shake them like be like, "Come on. I know you're there, you know." Mm. But I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I think that last thing you said is very like poignant and it's kind of like when think you know, when things that are really sad happen, that's like the hardest part for me. It's like, <clears throat> you know, like if somebody passes away or somebody gets like very ill or something, it just seems like, oh, it, because it was not like that, like a short time ago, you're just like, can mm-hmm. we just like go back and like that like feel that stiff feeling of obviously yeah like we can't go back in time obviously we can't but like it just seems so like it in reach or something right so like i understand yeah yeah and on top of all of it i'm just feel older i guess just time passes so quickly you know like there's relatives that i have fond memories of 
when I was a child and, you know, seeing mm. them get older and, but then I'm spending time with my nieces and nephews and every time I see them, they are like, they've just grown exponentially. And so I'm yeah. sort of slotted in the middle of all that. And I'm like, damn, I'm getting older. <laughs> like it's not, I'm not <laughs> making a judgment on it, but it's yeah. just a, it's something that I recognize. Oh, yeah. I feel like that way too. But then I also feel like because I see these people in my life, my, my family that are older. And then I see, you know, like my son, that's like younger, the other generation. Yeah. I'm very like aware of the fact that I am in prime adulthood and this yeah. is the best. Do you know what I mean? Like I don't, <laughs> right. I don't spend a lot of time feeling like I'm too old because I feel mm. like a lot of people that are 36 might feel that way. But the, the reality is like, this is solid, useful adulthood. You know, <laughs> I still look great <laughs> and like my body works. And I, I, I hate it when I hear my friends that are my age and they're like, oh, it hurts when I wake up in the morning. I'm like, no, it doesn't. <laughs> what are you talking about? We're still young as shit. Come on, you're gonna feel you're gonna regret this when you're 55 and you were talking shit about this. You know what I mean? Like, so I I, I always take steps to really enjoy my youth. Young me. Yeah. How are you feeling? I'm feeling like the the last few weeks. I know I don't know how into astrology people are, but I'm like really into astrology and like Cancer season. As soon as soon as it hit, I noticed that. I'm like very sensitive emotionally and I'm like picking fights with everybody. Everyone's fucking getting on my nerves and I'm like very like self-righteous about everything. <laughs> and most of the time I'm wrong. And so then I have to apologize, you know, like I'm like, fuck you, you did this. And then they're like, no, I didn't. I'm like, I was wrong. I'm sorry. I fucking, and then I'm crying. And that, there's been a lot of that going on just like in oh, all wow. my relationships, my friends, just little weird fights. But something mm. did happen. And I wanted to bring it up because it's like this thing. It's like we're we're quote unquote post pandemic and we had all this like racial stuff happening during that. And, you know, there's yeah. awareness like anti-Asian hate. But, you know, I'm reminded on a not a daily basis, but on a regular basis that it's like we're very far away from like getting to where we would all want to be, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and so something happened in Mino's school. There was like a teacher who was white and um, they were very like hard on Mino since day one. Like every time we would pick Mino up, the teacher would be like, Mino did this, this and this, like, and ha have like serious discussions. Like, for example, there was one time where Mino pushed a kid too hard during freeze tag and they had to have a very long discussion with us about it. And I was like, no, I get it. Like he's bigger. Yeah. He's, he's like a head taller than all the other kids. Yeah. And it's even, the, even though that he's doing the same thing that they're doing to him, he has to take in account that he's larger and he, do you know what I mean? So like yeah, he has to be aware that. that he's stronger, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, and then we had a, a bunch of, it happened like three times where, where they pulled us aside and talked to us about it. But then the other day, Mino, like right before bed, he was like, oh, because I remember I noticed there's this day I made him japagetti, which is like yeah. black bean noodles. Mm -hmm. And I had noticed that he didn't eat it. And so right mm. before bed, I was just like, hey, you didn't eat your lunch. And he started crying and he said that the kids called it worms. Oh, and I was like, oh, shit, not this again. You know, this yeah. classic Asian American story and it was so interesting because I posted his lunch on Instagram and I got a bunch right. of messages from people being like yum yum like what is that so somebody was like what's the recipe Japagetti <laughs> 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 like comes in it's like it's like an instant thing like you just yeah. put water <laughs> you just put water in it somebody was like what's the recipe and I was like haha -ha. um and so a bunch of people were like that looks amazing like what a cute lunch and then and then this jarring like juxtaposition of all these people being supportive and then yeah. realizing my son was getting made fun of it in school. Like it's 1975 again, you know? Um, right. And so then, so he, and then he started crying. And so then I was like, I was like, did you tell your teachers? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, why didn't they tell me? Like he went mm. through the whole day without eating from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. Like you, you think that that's something. And then I started getting upset because I was like, well, why do they take so much time about him being too rough during freeze tag or whatever. And then this is actually a huge, uh, I feel like a way bigger deal because in their handbook, the first page says no bullying based on like mocking other people's cultures or whatever. It's like stated and bold. Cause that's like after 2020, everyone right. has to be like black lives matter, blah, 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 you know, right, but right, then right. when it actually comes to it in practice, 
no one gave a fuck. And so I was getting all fucking riled up. But then I was like, yeah. I don't even know. I don't even know if the teachers knew. So I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. So I emailed the the director of the school and mm-hmm. I said exactly that. Like, this is this is what happened. I've noticed the teachers particularly pick pick on him. Not I didn't say pick on him, but like they're paying a lot of attention to his bad quote unquote behavior. But I was like, this is a much bigger issue and no one talked to me about it, but I was like, but I want to give you the benefit of the doubt. Maybe the teachers didn't know. Yeah. Nobody replied to my email. So the next day I show up, I show up and I get there and I I still don't know if the teacher knows or not. So I, I see them and I say, Hey, did you know, did you know this happened to me now? And they're like, Oh yeah, yeah. We like talked about it. And I was like, okay, why didn't you tell me? And they were like, yeah. oh, well, you know, I, I just didn't think, you know, blah, blah. So I was like, did you talk to the parents of that child that did that to him? Mm. And the teacher was like, no. And I just want to stay right now that that child was white. And I was like, why didn't you tell that child's parents? Because I was like, but you always pull me aside whenever Mino's done anything. So why didn't you pull that child's parents aside? And then mm. they were like, uh, you know what? I'm going to get my, my superior, the person that's like one step above them. Right. And, and I just want to, I, I, I know I got a little heated right now, but I just want to point out that when I was talking to the teacher, I was very calm. I was just like, oh, so like, this is my tone of voice. Obviously in person, I'm a lot softer. I was like, oh, like, well, like the problem that I have with that is that like, you talk to me a lot about me and like, that's the tone of voice I had. Right, right. Okay, so then the teacher goes to get the other person. The other person that's her, their superior is a black woman. And when she, when they walked off, the teacher who was white started crying. Oh God! <laughs> and I was looking at I was looking at this, Sorry. and I was just like, I was like, this is so fucked up, dude. Like I I was just having a conversation with you. I was not. Everyone saw me like I was talking like this. I was just talking to her like this. Right, right. And then the the her superior, who's a black one, walked towards me and she was like, hey. And I was like, I just want I just I was like, I just before I say anything, I did not raise my voice at the teacher. I, I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah. She's crying. But I literally was just having a conversation. Yeah. And the being very woman civil was, and just I was calm. being very civil. Yeah. And I, I guess her title was man manager or something like that director or something the direct the supervisor the supervisor was like yeah no she was like no i totally get it like you, you don't have to tell me i know what's going on mm. and she was like oh i'm sorry and and then i told her i was just like you know i don't have a obviously kids say think w- things that are mean like that and to be honest mino will probably and has said things like that to other kids like that's right. just kids they just don't know and yeah. i don't think anything of that kid or that kid's family because sometimes mino said weird stuff like <laughs> about like race and i'm just like what and yeah, then yeah. i don't want i don't want people thinking that 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 was like something he got from me you know right. but i was just like you know the only problem i have is that you there's been like special attention placed on mino when he does something bad and it's not being reciprocated to other children that's the only problem i have right anyway god that's so frustrating for you young me like just hearing all of this you want to give everyone the benefit of the doubt let's say at your school there's no like racial biases occurring yeah it should go equal both ways like if mino is playing roughhouse a little too hard and it's a little too mean then yes like that they should report it to you and be like, hey, Mino's a little mean on the playground. He pushed a little too hard. But then on the other, if he's on the receiving end of it, where if a kid who in this instance like bullied him and it was racially motivated because he was making fun of his like Asian, his foreign food and saying that yeah. it looks like worms, that parent should be spoken to because as, yeah. as a byproduct of that bullying, Mino went a day without eating. And if you if your kid isn't eating all day, as a parent, yeah, you, you should, should know. absolutely know that, you know? Exactly. And then I was like almost standing there like this is like such a trope that I'm like, like in, the white teacher crying right now. crying after the Why are you crying? What the hell are you crying about? <laughs> like you can just be like, you know what? Like I've done 
again, I, I feel like I always have to say shit like this, like to calm white people down. I've done fucked up shit that's like culturally insensitive and yeah. racist and without knowing, obviously. And then I'm like, right. oh my God, you know, I've done like homophobic shit. I've said homophobic shit and somebody will call me out and I'll be like, fuck, dude, that fu- I suck. I'm sorry. That's fucked up. I'm going to think about it. But I'm not like, <laughs> everyone's being mean to me. You're like, shut the fuck up, bro. <laughs> but I think I was like, this is such a, this is such a trope. Like, oh, yeah. we call out a white person for being racist and they cry. And then I saw the, her supervisor comforting her. And that was, I was just like, oh my there's a black God. woman comforting you right now. Cause you were being racist. Like, this is too much for me. You know, like, come on, sis, pull it together here. I get it. It's, it, I get it. It's, you know, it's like, it's scary when somebody confronts you. I, I right. understand that, but, and I, I'm not judging anyone for their emotions. You know, I've been in many situations where I didn't want to cry and I started crying and it's embarrassing, <laughs> right. but I was just like, this is so almost funny. Anyway, the, but I have to say one last thing. I'm sorry, this is taking so long, but like one last thing is that, so the emails that I sent were to the top, the director, right? Who is above the supervisor, and who is also a white woman. She never responded to my emails. She made the supervisor, the one like woman of color in this whole scenario, email me back. That's messed up because it's like, okay, I get it. Like, okay, the supervisor is talking to me because she's over the teacher. But then I was like, the person replying to my email should be the director. Like the person you addressed the email to. Yeah. And she didn't reply. And I was like, okay, you're making the one person of color do all this emotional labor for you. Not fair. How about you, John? How are you feeling? Well, uh, <laughs> um, I'm like, like in the moment right now, I'm like a little bit more nervous than I thought I was going to be. I usually get like really bad, like stage fright. Like I'm going to go on like either like a podcast or like whatever, like give a talk or something. Yeah. Um, so I'm like trying to spin it as excitement. So there's that. But like, I think in a general sense, like I'm really good actually. Like I had like a mental health nadir, like in the, you know, like in the last half of like June, I was like yeah. coming off, I was like tapered off my like Wellbutrin, which I had been on for a few years and it was like really rough. And I also feel like we're in this like, like dual reality of like, oh, everything's back to normal. Like you said, like quote unquote post pandemic yeah. and mm. it's supposed to be back to normal and like all the things that we thought that we were going to be able to do back in like March of 2020, like, oh, one thing's back to normal, like everything's just going to be fine. And now it's like back to normal, but shit's still terrible. And it's like, we're supposed to be mm. okay with that. And it's super confusing. And I was like having a really hard time with it for a long time. And I feel like I just either got used to it or maybe it's just like more fucked up now. So it's like back to being fucked up. And so we're in this crisis mode again. <laughs> so yeah. maybe that's what's going on. Um, do you think that had something to do? Cause I remember, you know, like I said, John, you're my close friend. So you had this very intense, like emotional yeah, period. I was, like, super in depressed. Yeah. Like really, really. And I don't, I don't have depression like as a clinical diagnosis, but I was like really depressed for like two weeks. Do you think that had something to do with like what you just said? Like the whole abstract idea that we're all supposed to act normal, but it's not normal. Like, oh, everything's fucked up. And as soon as the pandemic is over, whatever, and you get vaccinated and like restrictions lift, then like just magically overnight, like Wizard of Oz turning color, everything's supposed to be fine again. Yeah. Uh, Uh, So you're one of the co-founders of the Restaurant Workers Community Foundation. Is that correct? Yep. How does this sort of public sentiment surrounding COVID, I know it impacts restaurant workers and like really fucks them over because like the cities, like they're not transparent. And as restaurant like people, they're sort of just the Mm. last people to find out like what these guidelines are. And like, you're kind of like, I feel like there's a lot of whiplash happening. And like, how are you feeling right now in regards to like all of this and the industry that you work in? So, I mean, I, I'm not like an active restaurant worker anymore. Yeah. Uh, so, I, you know, I'm not really on like the core, like front lines, but, you know, obviously interacting with people who are and, um, you know, hearing from all kinds of different people. And, you know, I, the reason why, you know, I got together with a bunch of people to, um, to start this foundation. Like this, this is something we, we came up with in like 2016. This was like basically like a Trump election, like spasm of like right. just despair. Right. <laughs> spasm of despair. Yeah. Um, that's how everyone felt after yeah, Trump like got I, elected. I like, I like legit couldn't get out of bed or even move for like days. It was yeah. bad. It was really bad. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's when I found out I was mentally ill. But like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but 
but like, you know, one of the things when I came out of it, I'm like, shit's going to be so bad for so many people. And yeah. like the yeah. restaurant industry has treated me really well. And yeah. there are, I mean, yeah, like I was good at my job and I tried hard and I worked hard or whatever, but also it's like, as like a tall, okay looking white guy, you can just waltz into a lot of spaces and people are like, great. Like, I totally trust you. I believe you. Like your expertise is unquestionable. Yeah. Um, mm. And I saw that not happening for a lot of people. And I yes. was like, okay, well on a good day, like back, you know, Obama or whatever, like, <laughs> before like the dark ages, like things were still really bad for restaurant workers. People were like yes. on, on the, you know, on thin ice, like on a good day, like you have a bad, like you get sick or like you have a bad day of tips or whatever. And it's like, you could lose your house. Like it's like, yeah. things are not, we're not great. So, you know, back in 2016, we were like, things are going to get worse before they get better. So let's try to like band together and like sort of accumulate and aggregate the, what strength there is in the restaurant industry and people who have money and have power um, right. and help redistribute that towards people who don't have any. And so we started uh, the foundation uh, using a model called the community foundation, which basically means that we like raise money and give money away. Mm-hmm. Whereas like a lot of places just raise money or a lot of places just have a lot of money and then give it away. Like we do both. And it's kind of a way of like almost acting like a, um, like a money manager, like a hedge fund mm. a little bit. If you think about that right. structure where it's like the value add is our expertise and how to deploy money strategically. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was kind of how we, we approached it um, and wanted to do grants and impact investing and just like our own advocacy work um, to like make people understand that restaurant workers were like kind of like a segment of our society that is like very overlooked, but yeah. very large. Very large. It's like, 15 million or so people, I think this was before the pandemic, were in the restaurant industry. Like, Is that's it a, like the biggest employer, employer. In, yeah. in America or something? Yeah. yeah. Like there's it's more huge. people who work in the restaurant industry in New York City than work in the entire aviation industry. Wow. Wow. I had no idea. Holy yeah. shit. <sighs> yeah. It's and a think huge about how much bailouts like fucking Delta got. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. So that's, that's just the way that we that. prioritize like yeah. who gets what. Um, right. and so we kind of wanted to change that. And so for a couple of years we were doing, you know, kind of, we were doing really good work, but it was really small and we were trying to raise money and people yeah. were kind of like, okay, like that's a nice idea, but like you haven't done much yet. Like there wasn't really a sense of urgency. Um, and then when the pandemic hit, like we actually got a lot of people who were like, Hey, like, what are you guys going to do anything like specifically mm. for, to respond to this? And yeah. we were like, yeah. <laughs> uh, so we like really quickly came together um, and developed this like fund to raise money for COVID relief for individual right. restaurant uh, workers, you know, who are facing crisis uh, mm-hmm. to do other grants and then also to do um, a loan program for, uh, for small businesses. When we first thought of it, we were like, oh, in six months, everything's going to be back to normal. And we yeah, just like yeah. help we restaurants like rebuild. And yeah. now it's like, oh, we're just going to help restaurants like die more slowly, you know, like, <laughs> so um, no, not die. to be bleak, but Sorry. Like that's just, you know, that's the industry. Um, um, and it just really took off. And I think that it, 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 the pandemic was like obviously super fucked up and I would never have wished it to happen, but it really was like a good proof for like what we were saying for years prior to that and what other organizations yeah. have been saying for longer, uh, even longer than that. Um, right. So it really validated our, our kind of hypothesis essentially. Um, oh. and we've raised like $8 million since March of 2020. $8 million. Which is wow. ridiculous. I yeah. remember again, yeah, the beginning. Yeah. yeah. It was like one of those things where we like decided to have the fund. We like put the fund together, put up a webpage. Like we told like one person in the media. Yeah. And then like up. the next day it was like the, the classic, like 240 text messages yeah. and like mm. emails, like, yeah. You know, I didn't like, cause the reason that I wanted you on the podcast was to speak about your past and stuff like that. But I'm glad that you, we talked about this because I feel like all the stuff that you said about the restaurant workers community foundation, it are the things about you and your personality that I find so, um, fascinating and interesting. And I want to touch on like, just, you know, we're going to get into your, our questions. I just want to touch on what you said yeah. right in the beginning where you were saying as a tall white okay, we're going to say a little more than okay looking, like hot, hot white person. <laughs> Thanks, Brian. That's like, you know, tall and like, right. you know, when you when you walk in, you command attention, whether whatever, you like it yeah. or not. You know what I mean? Because this is like, right, in America. And just, just recognizing the privilege that you have just by your appearance without people even knowing like your background. I feel like that's so interesting because for me, it's just something about you that... I feel like a lot of white people have that privilege, but they can't 
they don't understand that. But you're like, duh, I can see that I'm obviously being treated way better than everyone else that works at this restaurant. And I feel like that's a very interesting thing about you. Yeah. I mean, I actually like, I remember a time when like, I was like kind of in my, like a teenager and I was like, yeah. I knew that I knew what was going on in a way. I was like, oh, I'm like, I'm like a decent looking respectable guy and yeah. I have like, right. nice clothes and whatever and I can just like walk into an office building and not get stopped by security Duh. or I can just like walk out of a store and like not have anyone question what I'm doing or yeah. anything like that and like I didn't put the pieces together that it was like strictly because I was white mm-hmm. you know and it's more than just being white obviously I think it yes. has to do with a lot but it's lot. like that's like 80% of it and yeah right. yeah it's 80% just, yeah I think it's just a matter of like just like taking a second to look around and seeing what's happening to other people. Yeah. Not even really, you can examine yourself and you definitely should, but just like getting out of your own kind of framework of, of your reality. Yeah, exactly. Well, John, I think it's so great that you started this initiative. Um, and especially in a time like this, but I kind of want to dive a little bit into your past. So, to preface, young me I has found the police report. I'm just kidding. Sorry. No. <laughs> <laughs> young me intervention surprise. Here are all your friends. Like, I'm just kidding. <laughs> young me has wanted you on this podcast for a hot minute now. She's like, we gotta uh-huh. have John on the podcast. I'm like, are we ready? Are we ready to have a non-Asian like, person? I was like, I want to be on the show, but I'm a white person. So like, I ask white like, pride. I'm sorry. I didn't mean that. That's not what I meant. Um, That's not what I meant. Delete that. I'm not going to delete it. But, <laughs> it but John, um, you know, young me told me a little bit about you and uh, you, you are white, but you are tied to Asian culture through your family. And yeah. I was wondering if you could discuss a little bit about that. Yeah, absolutely. Who is your grandpa? So my grandfather, <laughs> yeah. So this is this is like this is how it all started. So my grandfather, uh, his name is was like William Theodore DeBerry. Uh, and he was a professor at Columbia uh for like 70 years like until literally until the day he dropped out he was like working he was like 98 yeah like he drove in and it's like honda civic like smoking like cigarettes like it was great um sounds like <laughs> such a professor such a, it was like he was like professor oh, DeBerry. Awesome. yeah like it was wild like he wrote like a million books like i took one of his classes like, he fell asleep during class it was great um, <laughs> wow. um and so he really kind of like one is was one of the main people to establish the study of like East Asian um like history in the like in America, like in the West. Uh-huh. Wow. Um, and it, it became this way, it became this way because he was studying Chinese um language in college. Uh and then I think he was I don't know if he was like drafted or enlisted. I don't know if they had the draft in World War Two. But anyway, he was in like he was in like the army uh in like right. Iwo Jima, like Wow. World War II, like wow. Pacific theater shit. And he was stationed in uh, Japan after, you know, Japan's surrender. And he was like part of the occupation. Mm. Um, and one of the first like writings that he, that was, I don't know if it was the first that was published, but like one of his, like one of the earliest writings was between him and his like army buddies talking about what was going on in Japan and uh-huh. just like how completely fucked up the whole country was because, you know, the U.S. like bombed the shit out of it for, you know, for years. Oh, wow. Um, and part of like the reconstruction essentially. Yeah. And he was brought, he was brought to Japan because he took, he knew Chinese mm. and he first, mm. he was translating like radio signals from Japan because they like, were like, well, China, Japan, whatever. Same difference. Classic America. They're like, you know, yeah. Chinese, right? Go to Japan. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so funny. Um, yeah. So he figured out, he figured it out um, eventually. Yeah. Um, and then he started to study like old, like Japanese and Chinese and Korean texts and was translating them and like bringing these like big compilations of you know, writing about like Confucius and all mm. these other like mm. super, super like, you know, classical um, East Asian uh, texts, like in these massive compilations that are called like the sources of Japanese tradition. There's like the sources of Chinese tradition and sources of Korean. He's also done another, a few others for like India and stuff, but wow. Right. Um, and basically it's like, if you take a course on East Asian history in a university in the United States, like you're going to read one of his books. Right. Probably. Wow. Yeah. That's so fascinating. That's so, so incredible. there's that. Yeah. yeah. And so like, you know, my, my grandparents, like my grandmother did like Ikebana, 
like Japanese flower arranging. Oh, like it was just always like really like yeah. woven into my life. Like we like took our shoes off when we came into the house. Yeah. John's I, really big on taking shoes off love. more as, than me. As, like I'm, I'm as everyone should be. Because Except like, Brian, <laughs> Brian wears his shoes in the house. So me and Brian are like, don't even care about the shoes. John gets like, Murderous. Physical pain. He will kick me in the like mouth. Like <laughs> <laughs> wow. So um, wait. So what, can I just ask really quick yeah. about your grandma, really quick? Yeah. So she did they live in Japan ever? Or I don't know if they ever like lived in Japan for a long, long period of time. Mm. Uh, they always had they had a house like in in Tapan, New York, which is like in like Nyack, kind of upstate, but like uh-huh. like an hour drive from here. Yeah. Um, their house was like super like kind of had this like Japanese vibe going on. Wow. They had, like, um, mm. fuck, I forget like the name of the really, really famous, um, Japanese, uh, furniture maker. Oh, um, Noguchi? Yes. Yes. Isamu yes. Noguchi? No, no not Noguchi. No, no, it was no, something okay. else. Um, it'll come to me. Okay. Whatever. You know, I mean, they would go all the time and my, yeah. my grandfather was like fluent in Japanese and Chinese and like probably Korean. Um, and so it was always just like part of, it was always just, like a really big, you know, I think like, a lot of like people like have like a sort of like their like cultural heritage is a big part of their life. And yeah. usually it's because like yeah. where their f- literal family is from. Uh-huh. Like most of my family is actually from like Germany and Austria, but like we just always, it was always like, I was always aware of like Japanese culture and all this history. And it was always really cool to me. I think it was like, you know, partially I feel like it's a little bit of like an orientalism where it's like, wow, this is like the most foreign thing I could possibly think of. And I was really yeah. into like being different. And like I was, I knew mm. I was gay since I was like four years old. Yeah. And I was like, right. okay, how can I just like be like, the weirdest person and that was like a way for me to like You're, be, be as foreign and kind of like kooky as possible be into japan exactly and gay yeah exactly okay. yeah. I feel like so a, lot I was of, like, a lot of white people have the same idea yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, oh, i'm into anime i'm i'm so kooky i'm just kidding 100%. <laughs> but then actually, like but, if you knew me in like eighth grade yeah that's <laughs> wow me. in your grandfather's generation like how did your family how did they take all of this like were they kind of like all right that's cool you're like passionate about I guess Japan. Yeah. It was just like really, fun. it was really like, it was actually just like really expected, honestly. Like, oh. like my dad's older sister is a professor, 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 professor of Japanese literature at Cornell. Mm. Um, oh. It was just like really normal. And I studied East Asian history yeah. you know, in college. Like, and I went to Columbia, like, thanks to. You know, oh, you wow. did? I didn't even know that. Nepotism. <laughs> thanks to nepotism. <laughs> I was just curious because, you know, he's, it's from a different time and a different generation. Yeah. And it sounds like your family has a very academic background. So Super it didn't academic, seem yeah. that odd. But I would figure like, even today, if I decided to study, like go to my parents, like, I'm going to study Arabic and devote my life to it. My parents, everyone in my family would be like, mm. what? That's so random. Like, but I mean, yeah. it's the opposite. Like I was like, like when I was starting out as a bartender and I yeah. was like beyond just like, Oh, I'm like working at a bar. It's sort of like I became like my profession and what I was like gonna do. And I was yeah. like a bar uh-huh. director from a Mufuku. Like I was like a professional bartender. Yeah. And I told my grandfather and he was like, oh, so I see you're putting your Columbia education to good use. But uh, it's, it's interesting. Like, Bye. Fuck yeah. you, Grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Go back to Japan. No, like, but that's so interesting because that's like what he did, right? Like, I don't know. Maybe kind of. Yeah, modestly. I mean, I think it's like, going into academia was really encouraged in my family. Yeah, mm, I thought I was going to do it too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, wow. I thought I was going to like translate like Japanese academically. Mm. Wow. Like I thought about going to grad school in Hawaii and like, yeah. Yeah. What are your feelings about all of it? I feel like the narrative has sort of shifted, especially in recent times where people have become more aware of their position in their room. Like you are a white person and you are studying like East Asian studies. Like maybe when yeah. you were younger as a kid, it didn't even, obviously it didn't seem strange at all because you come from a family where this is like the pedigree that you all carry. And then yeah. did, did you, was there like a shift like in your life where you were like, whoa, I'm, this could be odd or strange if like the optics of this it's it's interesting because it's like in a way at going to a school like columbia that's like very academic and kind of like isolating even if you're in yeah right new york city you know it's mm-hmm. just like a bubble intellectually and even like in columbia there's like the um professor saeed who like wrote the book about ori- orientalism uh-huh. like mm. that was sort of like on the margins of my awareness in terms of like colonialism and right. like othering you know the East and, and making kind of like, it's sort of like dehumanizing, you know, foreign cultures because they're like, Ooh, they're different, yeah. but they're like, where do yeah. you study? And they're like intrinsically fascinating. It's like yeah. that, like, it's like a really, really fine line between like respect and genuine, like intellectual interest and like mm. yeah. fetishization. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's like, I think it was like both. For me, yeah, yeah, for me, definitely. You think about, you're saying your grandpa, for him, it was like all those things? I I, I don't know. It's hard. I never really like interrogated him about it, but I feel like, it's hard to say because I I feel like he's, he's the kind of person who was like, kind of shouting from the rooftops, like mm. these people, like these, these people, like, like, <laughs> like there are like really, really, really useful concepts for how to live in society from yeah. these texts that most people in America just aren't looking at. So he was, mm. he was like, uh, you know, I, I feel like there are, especially in that era, there were a lot of white people that were like, Hey, the, the East isn't barbaric. They have like, they are the, they're different, but they have different cultures, but like we could learn a lot from them. Right. And, and it's like, there's an extension of that, even in like my parents' generation where my dad was kind of like that. Cause he's a white guy that went to Korea and he came back, he's from Jersey city and he went back to Jersey city and he was like, Hey, it's better in Asia than Jersey city. Mm. And people in Jersey city were like, no, it's not. And he was like, <laughs> like they have robots that do your laundry in Japan. Like, you know what I mean? Right. Like, and I feel like you're, there's a lot of like white people back then it's in the that future. older generation yeah. that were trying to convince white people so much. Like Asia is fucking cool. But then also it was bordering on fetishization and they were like the women there, you know, sexy. And then you're like, okay, okay, sir. <laughs> Sir, like, <laughs> <laughs> it started off good, then it got a little weird. But there, I feel like people recently maybe don't know that in your grandfather and then my father's generation, there's people were very committed to white supremacy and they just did not want to hear that Asians did anything better. And so I, I know a lot of like white men that are older that were like, no, it's better. They take off their shoes there and like trying to convince like. Uh, white people to see them as equals or humans, right. I think. And well, it's, it's interesting because confusing. it's like the reason why my grandfather was exposed. I mean, he definitely was like studying like East Asia before World War II, but yeah. like he was immersed in World War II because he was like fighting Japanese people. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, like he was like wow. running a POW camp. Like that's wow. crazy wow. Like, for the army. And then he was like helping like the Japanese government, like, form a democratic like yeah. system for like self-governance yeah and it's mm. like you how do you separate like your kind of like war wartime hostility mentality yeah. of like yeah. these people are the enemy to like right oh these people are like my friends or, and like i'm equals with them so it's like how do you disentangle that it was like it was like a intense time man in history shout out to your d- grandpa for not having a i mean no actually this that sounded. I'm not going to say that. I Delete that. that. I was going to say. I was going to say something problematic. Having a Japanese wife. <laughs> I was like, yeah. wait, why doesn't he have a Japanese wife? No, not I mean, shout. I'm just like, I wonder why. I, I mean, wonder. okay. So this is like when I'm my first year, my first year of Columbia, yeah. when I like first week of classes, I would like introduce myself, and people would be like, oh shit, like I heard about you, like you're like Professor DeBerry's grandson. Yeah. And they're like, why are you not like half Japanese? Why aren't you Japanese? <laughs> yeah, that's so funny. And I'm like, my grandmother's Irish. Like, wow. Catholic, like Irish. Yeah. That's interesting. I mean, you know, I'm, that's just interesting. I'm just it, noting it that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just no- noted. <laughs> noted. <laughs> um, what languages do you speak, John? Um, I, I used to be able to speak Japanese fluently, uh-huh. um, like when I was living there. Yeah. Um, I can still like pretty much understand it pretty well. It's just like I haven't spoken it in a long time. And I also, so I took, so I started studying Japanese by myself when I was 13. I started uh-huh. to translate Dragon Ball comics like nice. by myself because mm. I wanted to be able to buy Japanese video game systems and play the games earlier than when they came out in the United States. Like That's that so legit. was my motivation. I bought a Japanese uh, Nintendo like GameCube and like played Super Mario Sunshine like in Japanese, and I was that like, "Hell yeah, so I'm living in the future." I, was like, <laughs> I wanted sick. to do that so badly. <laughs> Wait, I went to Japanese so camp in North Dakota no. when I was. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> you don't have to hurt us like that, John. You did. Was everyone else Japanese? No. Oh, well, 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 well. Okay, so I'm just gonna I'm gonna <laughs> insert my question now before I get more cringed out. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Speaking of cringed out, okay, all these things that you're talking about, like obviously they're legitimate and like I obviously no judgment and like I've never cared about white people that are into a- Asian whatever, whether it's through your family or through their own like interests. But like right. all these things on, you know, I make fun of these things a lot, yeah. John. And um, like in my comedy. You know, like expat people who yeah. live in, in Asia are like scary. The worst. If you've ever met like a white guy that's lived in Japan longer than a year, 
d- run for the hills. They are not well. They're unwell in the head. And that's a totally different. <laughs> and they don't speak Japanese. And, 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 but you know this because you've been there. They're not, they're not okay. But this is my question. So all these things that I, I like, I make fun of. I've never had an issue with you, John, as like, you, you're one of my closest friends. I've never felt like you've ever said anything that was like, make, made me like, ugh. You've never. There's not, and I'm very, I'm very sensitive yeah. as, as people know to like microaggressions or yeah. when white people say weird things about Asia, I'm very, very sensitive to that. And I've known you for a long time now and you've never, I've never felt that way about you. And so the reason why I wanted you have, wanted to have you on this episode was cause like, you know, we are Asian, but we live in this world with a lot of different people, a lot of people that are not Asian. And, you know, there's this like question of allyship. And a lot of people do ask me about that online, like white people. Like I get these weird comments on TikTok, like, well, what do you, what do you want me to do then? Am I not supposed to like Japan or am I supposed to like, how, how am I supposed to go to H Mart? And everyone hates me when I go to H Mart. I'm like, that's not Just what Just don't I'm- be a dick at H Mart. Exactly. Like what, so what do you think? Why? Like I touched on this in the beginning about you like being in restaurant work and noticing your privilege and, and acting accordingly. Like what, what do you think has led you to be, I know this is a weird question. Like, why do you think you're not weird? <laughs> well, I'm like, I mean, I'm, I, I am. Weird in that way. Like right. weird in a racist way. Like, why are you not like that? I mean, I think my, my parents were really cool. Is that, mm. that helps? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's hard for me to be like, thank you. Cause the I bar know, is like so low. It's like yeah. the, the fact that I didn't say, say anything fucked up to you in the two years that I've known you. Like <laughs> you weren't though, racist. Yeah. It's like, yeah. is that the gold star? That's it's like kind of sad. Yeah. Um, right. <laughs> so like there's that. But I think it's also, it's, it's, it's about growing up in like a really sheltered place. Mm. Um, and like growing up in like the sort of like rarefied, like, Stepford wife, like Greenwich, like literally Greenwich, Connecticut, like yacht club, yeah. private school. Yeah. Right. Like I, I honestly, at one, one point when I was like probably 10, I wondered out loud to my mom, like why airports have, um, parking lots because we just got, dri- we just got drivers to the airport and I was like, huh, why are there parking lots here? Okay. But you're <sighs> saying that that's why you're cool. But so I'm those, saying like, <laughs> so I'm saying those like, people it, are usually the worst. Come from, yeah. like, it's, it's like, it's like, you have to sort of like, for me, it's like about like looking back at all of that uh-huh. and being like, wow, like that was like, so not normal. And like yeah. going from kind of like, you know, like, I went to private school. I went to like a nice public school in Greenwich. Like I went to Columbia and then like I started like working in restaurants, you know, like with like normal people who weren't from Greenwich and like Mm -hmm. living in New York city. And I don't know, maybe it's just like, I got lucky, I guess. I don't even know like what to say, but like, I think it just comes from like, maybe being like really harshly critical of yourself all the time. Do you think being gay has something to do with it? Definitely. Okay. Yeah. I was just, I was going to say it. Yeah. Cause you, you're like this, you you weren't like every other Greenwich, Connecticut blonde, six, two man. Except for like except one for thing. Bloop, yeah. I'm gay. Yeah. And, and I always feel like that's like, and it was never know. something that I like, that I realized it wasn't mm-hmm. like, I was like, why am I fucked up? And then like when I was 19, I was like, Oh shit. I was like literally thinking about like banging dudes when I was like five years old. When you were five, you're yeah. thinking about banging dudes. Yeah, same. Well, <laughs> <laughs> so I like, I, it's like it never occurred to me that I wasn't gay, and so I. But then it's like I, I knew the the threat to like safety and survival that yeah. being gay was. So it's yeah. like, yeah, I think there's something about like, oh, if you look at someone the wrong way, like you don't know what could happen. Yeah, mm. that's know? something that people of color understand. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. So I think getting a taste of that also being helps a lot. Yeah, yeah. Like so being hyper vigilant all the time. When you went in the restaurant with other people I, no, that were not. Not even, yeah. I, yeah. Maybe, yeah. Maybe it was like, I didn't, obviously wasn't exposed to homophobia at the restaurant. It was like from, you know, day one. But like, yeah. I think like having, like no, being able to relate on that level, like kind of like from a solidarity perspective, yeah. I think was really helpful. Mm-hmm. But also, I mean, I was like a white kid who grew up in Greenwich. Like I probably said a lot of really fucked up shit when I'm I was I'm sure like you did. 13. You know, as did I. <laughs> I'm really glad that there wasn't like YouTube and social media back then. I'm I so glad be, there was no, are you kidding me? I don't know what the hell I was saying when I was 12. It was probably <laughs> racist. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. And I, that, that makes, that makes sense though. I think it's cause you could have just as easily stuck into your insular bubble of like Greenwich, Connecticut, and then going to an Ivy league and then surrounding yourselves with people who had the same experience as you. And 
I'm sure you would have ended up becoming a very different person than you are today if you stuck in, like, if you just exposed yourself to that insular bubble and stuck with it. I don't know. Let's, like, use an example. In this case, uh, what we talked about earlier in the episode with, like, the white woman in Oregon who, like, wants to start a kanji. She has a kanji company, and then that went viral. Like, what are the issues with that? Like, cause everyone's like, it went viral, but obviously it like struck a chord with people. It's like, this is, this is fucked up. She clearly could very much love kanji and just want to like spread the joy of it. Like, what is the issue with that? What is the issue with these YouTubers who go to Japan and I'm talking English, like I'm talking Japanese well, like like, why why does that sit kind of unwell or feel weird, you know? It's just, it's not even what they're doing. It's like, they're telling you immediately their core belief that they're better than whatever, whatever the other thing is. And you can see it. Every little word that Karen wrote about her kanji company was laced with supremacy. And that's the issue. And like, that's, that's it. You like, when I talk to John, he's like, oh, I know about Japan, but I just know about Japan. It's not like, I understand like it's not like talking about it condescendingly or whatever about China or Japan which almost all white people do and it's like they don't understand mm. it's like not even the choice of words it's this and you can deeply ingrain belief that they are superior to it and they, there's no amount of PC language that they can use to cover that up I mean I don't know it's like obviously I don't think it's like easy just to like solve cultural appropriation and white supremacy in like uh-huh. one conversation but like again I think the bar is like really low like it doesn't it's not like white people can't do anything it's just like can you just like spend like 20 minutes just thinking about like how this fits within the context of like colonialism and white supremacy yeah. and you know all the other kind of harmful structures in the in the world just do like a little bit do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, it doesn't take a whole lot, yeah. I think, you know, yeah. to, to just, like, overcome this, like, very kind of, like, uncritical, just like, oh, I'm going to do this, and it's just going to be great, and I'm just like, this is awesome. Like, I, yeah. wish I, I wish I had more of that, because I feel like I'd probably, like, <laughs> like be more confident in myself, yeah. but again, it's, like, the same thing, where it's, like, maybe, you know, growing up gay and, like, being kind of, like, super critical of yourself, like, yeah. is, like, I'm like kind that of, too. like, pay it off you know <laughs> like yeah. in a way oh, that's a really yeah. good point just being like your personality is like super critical that like, like if you think you're just a fucking asshole all the time yeah, then, like, everything you do is like filtered through like this harsh lens of self-criticism yeah then you're very mm-hmm. careful yeah exactly and a lot of people don't have that and they're like kanji sucks i'm gonna make it better because i'm good at things and you're like <gasps> like that's that's not the way to approach anything um, right. But that's so true, Youngly, like, because yeah. even the kanji thing and the mission statement of the company, it, yeah. I think she used the word elevate, like elevate mm-hmm. kanji yeah. to the Western palette. Like elevate yeah. is a it's a condescending verbiage. Like, because, you know, I almost think she said palatable. So many chefs <laughs> use the word elevate. So many chefs use the word elevate. White chefs. Just yeah. FYI. That's right. a yeah. common that idea. For? supremacy Um, but but it's like when you when you approach somebody and be like hey your thought process is rooted in white supremacy then they're like what and then they're so shocked and i'm like yeah you you think how is that a surprise she shook it just like that (laughs) teacher that cried Nino's teacher shook it and i was like dude let's all be okay with realize like the over the summer i like posted something on instagram and i was like i don't know what this is about um this like this fennel candy that I think Mm. it's like a Middle Eastern thing. And I was like, what is this? And somebody got mad at me and they're like, that's really like racist and like offensive. And I was like, dude, you're totally right. Like I'm like acting like, ew, what is this about another culture's very normal food? And like, I just did it this summer. It's not. And I was like, it came from a place where I, I was like, it was like, why is that? I, I'm sorry. Like, is that racist? Well, like, why is that racist? It's like, cause you could, if you don't know, I then you just, I would say, that's yeah. literally just what the kid did to Mino. He said that looks like worms. Cause he didn't know uh, what it was. Right. Like, I guess that's, it's a tone I, that's thing. exactly what I did. And I can sit, I can sit here and be like, Oh shit. That's like so culturally insensitive, at least at worst racist. Do you right. know what I mean? Like, and I, and you know what? I'm not going to cry about it. I'm just gonna be like, shit, I fucked up. I'm sorry. And I apologize right. to that person. I deleted the post. You know yeah. what I mean? Just like, I, I guess I, it's I the mean, tonality yeah. and approach because I don't want to live in a world where 
I'm too afraid to ask questions out of fear of scrutiny and exactly. being labeled a yeah, racist. Because there's, there's, there's a all. lot of shit I don't know. And I want to be yeah. able to be like, hey, I don't fucking know shit all about this. Teach me. Yeah. Like, I want to learn more. You know? Well, that's great. That's a great way to approach it not like me where I'm like what is what the hell is this like that was fucked up <laughs> that was fucked up you know this is all about we're turning What's this fennel? episode about me being a racist <laughs> me it was me I fucked up self cancellation no, I'm canceling myself I shouldn't have said that story <laughs> Um, Why am I doing wait. this? <laughs> I got I, a white well, person yeah, on I, my Asian <laughs> podcast now I'm canceling myself in any case John thank you for being our first non-Asian guest on the Feeling Asian podcast (laughs) because this could have very easily quickly become a Z, like a baited Z-way situation where we- What if this was like a Z-way? What if we tricked you into coming and then I was like, why are you a racist? Who do you like better, Koreans or Japanese? (laughs) Name five Asian actors. Name five name prominent five women. Whoa, I can't do that. Sorry, I'm, I'm too gay. Young me, man. I'm too gay. Uh, <laughs> Young me. Um, um, but uh, thank you again for sharing your experience and being so vulnerable with us. But we'd like to leave yeah, you a with a question true. that we ask all of our guests, and that is, what is something that you're proud of, John? I was, I was like listening to you be proud of like yourself earlier. And I'm like, what is that like? <laughs> this is like, why John is my friend. I'm like, what is he I'm might like, be I'm white. So, I'm so jealous. <laughs> but he's actually really Asian on the inside. He's like, wow, I've never been proud of myself and I'm full of shame. That's why he's on this podcast, everyone. If you're wondering. <laughs> um, I recently started to do like, um, a a cocktail videos for food 52 Uh and um i've always kind of wanted to do video stuff but like i i suck at it personally like my tiktok is like really embarrassing um I don't do it anymore, but I, I, I got like hooked up with food for you too. And I'm like, they're a drinks expert. You know? mm-hmm. And so we, every month we do cocktail videos, like they come to the house, like we have a whole setup over here and, um, it's really fun. And we just did, we just did another like shoot on Monday. And so like, I'm really, and like people, and we posted on YouTube and people are really nice in the comments, which Aww. is like, I was not prepared for like people being like, well, John, like you have nice legs. And I'm like, this is so weird. You do have yeah. nice legs. First comments on YouTube. First comments. Yeah. Wow. Um, That's amazing. Which I love. People are like, John can, come, John can come to my house and make me a drink. And I'm like, is it really hot? And I'm like, <laughs> wow. <laughs> Maybe. I might. YouTube star, um, so John yeah, DeBerry. I'm, I guess I'm proud of like doing doing like videos and stuff now because it's like, I feel like it's a net, like the next kind of evolution of like my drink career of like yeah. writing a book and like doing writing and like being in a bar first and then like sort of evolving out of that. So right. I guess that's Amazing. what I'm proud of right now among other things, but I'm too ashamed to say myself. <laughs> oh, yeah. Where can people find these videos? Um, well, I actually just updated my personal website, John com, J O H N D E B A R Y.com. Okay. Um, and I think Food 52, you can find the videos. Yeah, they're pretty easy to find. Nice. Um, my Instagram Sweet. is JND3001. Um, if you haven't seen, I mean, you know, we like to have you all the time. The, so sorry, but in the vein of these Food 52 cocktail videos, what is like a mistake that you see people commonly make when they're like mixing drinks at home? It's not a technical mistake, but I think a lot of people, it's more about expectations and Mm. reality of their own capabilities and what you can and can't do at home. And for reality (laughs) of your capability, you don't, you're not good at this. You have to be honest with yourself. You know, it's just like, it's really hard. Making drinks is like usually done in like a very professional, like, Kind of clinical setting, you know. There's like yeah. staff, and there's a whole, right. st- you know, like a bar. It's like designed, and it's like wow. specialized yeah. tools. So I think people they get like kind of hung up on this, like, oh, I'm gonna recreate this drink that I'm I had at like a fancy cocktail bar, yeah. And it's like it gets kind of like psychologically damaging when they don't do it. <laughs> um, versus just sort of like having a kind of an expectation of like these are like the at home kind of drinks I can make and being okay with that. So mm. that to me is sort of like allowing yourself to like be okay with like what you can do in a certain setting. And that's like kind of what my book is all about, where it's like, hey, like if you're at the beach, like you can't. You can't make, you know, a, make a daiquiri. Maybe you can, but like, you know, you can't have like an elaborate, you know, super, super John fancy can. cocktail. I mean, yeah. I can try, but I usually don't want to. Um, 
Lower so your expectations. Lower your expectations. <laughs> yeah, just... People's expectations are too high. I think that's the big. That's... Stop being proud of yourself and <laughs> yes, be ashamed. Yeah, to yourself. <laughs> roll and, with it. And roll with it. Yeah. And then on the, on the same token, I think a lot of people are very scared of like, I get a lot of questions. People are like, oh, John, like, can I do, is this okay if I do this and that? And I'm like, probably like, try it. Like, I'm so the opposite. I'm like, we're putting Exactly. Friends. Yeah. You know, so it's a lot of people are looking for permission Yeah, yeah. Uh, to do things, certain things like at home. Oh, I'm a hundred percent Oh, bad. hey, I have this bottle of whatever. That's definitely Brian. Is it going to be good if I do this? And I'm like, I don't know. It could be. Just try it. Like, I feel whatever. like I've asked you things like yeah, that. hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's I'm like, like it's John, can I put, I was like, can I put cranberries in something? You're like, like sure, I don't yeah. know. <laughs> My biggest problem with making drinks at home and I'm always just like putting 900 gallons of like, like tequila in it. I'm like, cause it's, it's better if it's strong and then it tastes like shit. And I'm like, why does it taste yeah, like dude, shit? And I'm like, well, it's cause 90% tequila. <laughs> and like, I'm just wasted after a sip and I'm like laying down. <laughs> well, it was so nice to have you, John. Yeah. I'm so excited about your, your, um, drink videos. Yeah. Hey. And again, your Instagram is JND three zero zero one. Nice. My, my initials are John Nichols DeBerry. Wow. So. Such a fancy Sweet. name. How we about didn't even you? talk about my family. Oh my god! Next episode, it's <laughs> gonna be it's gonna be you moving forward. It's, it's just, just I'm John DeBerry every week. Yeah, he's gonna call. He colonized the feeling Asian, Asian with John DeBerry. Next, next week you're gonna. <laughs> Feeling Asian with John. You're gonna tune in next week and be like, "Hello, it's your host John DeBerry." <laughs> Fuck the Patreon shoutouts. I'm going to talk me. about myself. We're both like dead in the corner. <laughs> dead in the corner. Tied up. Like. Help us. <laughs> okay, uh, Brian. Where can our listeners find you on social media? You guys can find me on socials at it's Brian Park. And what about you, young me? YM Mayor, and don't forget to follow our podcast at Feeling Asian Podcast on Instagram and on TikTok at Feeling Asian Podcast. Yeah, and we're on YouTube too. If you want to uh, oh, yes. see our see John in the flesh, uh, you could do so at youtubecom slash Podcast. Make sure he's white. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> my whiteness. Um, but yeah, that's it, guys. Bye. Bye.